37. Genesis 37. We started talking about Joseph a few weeks ago. And tonight we're going to just review for a few seconds. And then we're going to move forward tonight. Genesis 37. Look down at verse number 36. The Bible says, And the Midianites sold him, that's Joseph, into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guards. Now we're going to skip chapter number 38, and we're going to go to chapter 39, and look at verse number 1. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him, bought him out of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand, now, as we look at those verses, you look at verse number 3 there. This is Potiphar. Potiphar is not a Christian man. He does not know the God of heaven. What we see in this passage is we see that Potiphar sees there's something different about Joseph. And, as we, and he saw that the Lord prospered everything that Joseph did. We look at verse number 4. It says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had, save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. He was trusted in that house. Sold as a slave and yet prospers. When we left Joseph last week, he had been betrayed by his brothers and sold as a slave. Joseph had been sold to some Ishmaelite merchant, merch, these merchants, for under $100. Not, they didn't even sell him for the worth of a crippled slave in those days. The Ishmaelites took Joseph down to Egypt and put him for sale in the land. Now, we look at the story here, but for a minute tonight, put yourself in Joseph's shoes for me, Okay. Let's think for a minute. One of the things I like to do when I look at the Word of God and when I study a passage, I try to put myself into the story. Think about Joseph here for a moment. Think about, your, he's 17 years old. You are the favorite son in your family. You're given a special coat that meant that you were to be the one to take over the family someday. And... In a moment's time, you're on your path to going to greatness. You have these dreams that show things that will happen, and life looks pretty good overall. One day, he simply obeys his dad and goes to check on his brothers. And by the end of that day, his brothers 
wanted to kill him. They didn't kill him. They sell him into slavery, and they send him to Egypt. Think about a simple young man being taken to a wicked city that he's never been to before. A crazy place, really, Egypt. You know, by this time, the pyramids are already built. Imagine seeing those. Imagine seeing some of the sights that he saw as he came into Egypt. And as you look, it couldn't get much worse for this young man. His family is completely lost. He's on his own. He's a slave in the middle of a new place. Doesn't know who his master is going to be. But as we look through this story and as we see this passage tonight, no one could look at this story and say that Joseph's life doesn't have trouble. But the one thing that we see in the scripture here that I want you to pay attention to, and young people in the room, we've only got a few minutes we're together tonight, and I know you've had a long day at school, but we need to sit still for a few minutes and focus on the word of God, just like everyone else. There's something, Joseph was a young man, he was 17 years old. He learned as a young man, some principles that helped him in life that God used to bless him in his life. So tonight in the message, there is something for a five-year-old to pick up on, and they're not going to pick up on everything, but there's a few things they'll pick up on. There's stuff for a 10-year-old. There's stuff for a 17-year-old. There's stuff for the adults in the room. And so as we look here tonight, let's focus in just for a few minutes and what we see is though life was bad, we see the fact the scripture makes it pure and simple. The Lord was with Joseph. That's what I want to talk about tonight. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have together. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and for your grace. Help us tonight. Thank you for this passage of scripture. Help us as we look at this tonight. And I pray that you would just minister to our hearts and there's someone tonight who needs something from this passage help them to be attentive and to receive what you have tonight for them pray you'd work in this service we love you we need you in jesus name i pray amen as we think about this fact that god was with him i want to show you some thoughts behind that number one tonight as we dive in we see that god protected him god protected joseph when we look at this passage of Scripture, it seems like Joseph's life has fallen apart. And yet, in the next few minutes, I want to give you a few thoughts. I want you to examine the facts that becomes clear that though people meant to take Joseph's life and to really destroy it, God took their evil and turned it for good. God protected him. When we think about those things, we think about this letter A, considering all that he faced, too many things just happened to fall into place for him. Why did he end up in Potiphar's house? We could go through a list of things when we go through this life of Joseph, which we'll get to over the next several weeks. But I want you to understand something tonight. You hear people say, oh, some people are just lucky, or things happen... Joseph was not a lucky guy. Look at his life. But God was behind the scenes working things out in his life. 
And I want you to understand, in the Christian life tonight, things don't just happen. God is there behind the scenes working things together for good to them that love him, the scripture tells us. And so let's just think of some things here tonight. The first thing we think of, number one, is we think of the intervention of Reuben. Well, what happened to begin with? The brothers wanted to kill him, right? So if Joseph died, what help could he have been to anyone? So who's the one who steps up? The one who's unstable as water. The one who is the oldest, and he's the one who says, hey, let's not kill him. God used that. Think about that. Number two, how about Judah's idea to sell him as a slave? Say, that's really not a nice idea, how, but do you know God used it? How was Joseph going to get to Egypt and be able to help the family through the famine of the land? God used it. We might look and say, well, these things just know God was able to orchestrate through the evil that was meant against him. We think of some other things. We think about the appearance, number three, the appearance or, of the Ishmaelite traders. Why was it them? Why couldn't they have sold him to someone else? But it would be these guys that would end up in Egypt, and it end up just up to happen this way to where we get to number four, the fact that he was sold to Potiphar. Potiphar, in this passage, he is mentioned as the captain of the guard. His position seems to be a big position. Maybe that of like, you know, we think that it says the chief or the captain of the guard. Maybe he's like the chief executioner or the head of the Pharaoh's police, wherever the case may be. But he was responsible for protecting his boss and for dealing with those who tried to attack Pharaoh. Fair, you think about this, Potiphar, by his position, would have had to work with many of the head people in the city of Egypt. And it is no mistake, and it didn't just happen, that Joseph ends up working for Potiphar. God, and this is what you've got to understand. We look at life, and I want you to realize something. God did not make those guys want to kill their brother. God did not make them sell him as a slave. They meant evil on their brother. And there are things that happen in life. God has given each and every one of us this thing called a free will. You get to choose what, if you want to receive Christ, you can. If you want to reject him, you can reject him. You want to do evil, you can do evil. And there are consequences and things that come but what I want you to understand in the story, God is able to take the evil that was meant and take it and turn it for good. That's what I want you to get tonight. And you, so I don't want you to say, and you know, we look in our lives and, and we go down a road where we get into a bunch of sin. We're like, it's the Lord's will. I didn't know it's not God's will for you to sin. It's never been God's will for you to sin. Never been God, part of God's plan. But when it happened, God makes a way for everything to work out. That's, he's sovereign. He's able to work in spite of our limitations and in spite of our weakness and our sin in our lives. So don't think that God used, God made them do this evil to get Joseph where he's supposed to be. No, God saw the evil that took place 
and God was able to work in the midst of the evil and make it turn together for good. Romans 8, 28 is a living testimony of Joseph's life as we look to here. So let's keep on going a little bit further tonight. And as we think about these things, God was putting things in place to get Joseph right where he needed to be, even though his brothers wanted to destroy him and get rid of him. Joseph might have been a slave, but get this tonight. He was safe in the arms of his heavenly father. He might have been separated from his earthly father, taken away from all of his family, but his heavenly father was right there with him and going to guide him all the way. I mentioned Mrs. Treadwell and being there the other day, she was talking to her son-in-law, and she's like, what I do when hard times come and when I hear things, I just hold on to my father's hand and he gets me through. That's what we see here with Joseph. As we look further into this, we see, letter B, that Joseph was being protected by the Lord. God was working. God, God had plans. God had things that were meant to ha- that needed to happen. And as we think about this, you see how much sometimes people think they and we look around our world and we think that where is God in the midst of all the wickedness before our eyes? Like God, God's not in control of anything. Do you realize in this passage it might look like God's not in control? But when it's all said and done, he is in control. He still is. You know, we know the God of this world is Satan. We know the way this world is going. We know all those things. But I want you to remember tonight, God is still in control. It's going to be okay. You can trust him tonight. And Joseph was being protected by the Lord when we think about that. And some of the things, though the events of Joseph's life seemed to be out of control, God was actually in control and God was protecting him. Notice what God was protecting and what God was doing. First of all, how was God protecting him? Number one, by God's presence. God did not leave Joseph to himself. Genesis 39, verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph. His family abandoned him. They hated him. He was sold as a slave. He was passed down the line here, but God was with him. God's presence was there in his life. God was protecting him there. And something else that we see, that God was with him and God prospered him. But something that I find very interesting, I don't see anywhere. And one of the things I believe that God protected him from and that God was working in his life was with this thing of having, not getting, how do I want to word this? Um, Number two, from getting a bitter spirit. Do you read anywhere that Joseph had a bitter spirit? No, he had a different spirit than anyone else. And someone that had been through all the things that Joseph had been through, you would expect in his life him to be a little bitter at his brothers. Just a little, maybe a lot. But God was there protecting him. God was with him in the midst of these things. Letter C, we see by God's providence. Our number number three there. The dreams that God gave Joseph... And as we looked at those, they were not off track. 
It just took a while for it to happen. But God was there for him. And hey, may I just remind you tonight, you might be looking at your life and saying, my life is a mess right now. Well, we know this for sure. Was Joseph's life a mess right now? Yes. You might be saying, well, pastor, my life's a mess. Well, there are some promises and some things that God's doing tonight for you as well. Do you realize tonight that we have his presence? Just as the Bible says here, the Lord was with Joseph. Do you know the Lord's with you tonight? If you're a child of his, he says, the Bible tells us in Hebrews um, 13, verse number 5, For I said, I will never leave thee, and I'll never forsake thee. Tonight you might say, well, pastor, I'm just going through it. You've got to realize tonight, God will never leave you. He's right there with you in the midst of the trials and the struggles that you go through. And the Great Commission at the end of it in Matthew 28, verse number 20, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Amen. He is always there. You think about this, we have his help tonight to deal with our past, our problems, and our pain his way. You know, we look at Joseph and you say, well, why didn't he get bitter? Because you can do one of two things in life. When life throws awful things at you, which it will at times, you can either get bitter at God or you can get better. And we see that Joseph got better. And you say, and that's God's plan. That's God's way for his people. That's what Ephesians 4 verse 29 is all about. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, let all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And the scripture says, be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's God's plan. God's plan is not for you to hold on to the bitterness of your heart, not to hold on to that anger and let it give place to the devil in your life. His goal is for you to put those away and to forgive. That's God's plan. That's what God wants. And as we look at the life of Joseph, it's pretty bad. And in all reality, all he did was obey his dad and go where his dad told him to go and look at what takes place. And sometimes, through obedience, tough times come. That's why you've got to be very careful. I see people at times, I wonder what that person did for God to be judging them so bad. What did Joseph do so bad? Nothing. Nothing. What did Job do that was so bad? Nothing. Now, yes, he had his problems and issues, just like we all do. But you cannot always look at someone and say, well, God's judging them. Be careful what you say. Because you don't know what God's doing in someone's life when God's at work like he is in Joseph's life here. So we see, number one tonight, as we talk about that God protected him, number two, we see that God prospered him. When Joseph arrives in Egypt, he no longer has that coat of many colors. But do you know one thing that we realize about him tonight? 
that his, and when we, so letter A, so you can write that down, when Joseph arrived in Egypt, he no longer had his coat of many colors. Didn't have it anymore. It was gone. But do you know what he still had? He still had his character. The young man he was before he went to Egypt was the young man he was while he was in Egypt. Letter B. When Joseph arrived in Egypt, he could have taken several different paths. He could have forsaken everything. He could have gotten mad at God. He could have given up on life. But we see he maintained that excellent spirit. He stayed faithful and God blessed him. You know, we think about Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were taken to a new land. Their parents weren't there. No one could see how they lived their lives. And young people, let me help you tonight. Character is what you do when nobody's watching you. What you want to develop in your younger years, you want to become a Joseph or a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. That's what you want to develop, where you don't need to have mom and dad watching your every move for you to do what's right. Realize God is watching everything that you do, and you do what's right because God is watching you. That's what character is all about. And parents, we've got to do a good job of teaching our children character. That means for us to live the life we should live too, and I go deeper down that road tonight. But we'll stop there on that. But he could have gone several different ways. But as we look at this and we see his life, he did what was right. He could have adopted the ways of Egypt. He could have done all those different things. He could have abandoned his God. He could have, he could have served one of the gods of Egypt, right? There's so many different things that he could have done. But what he does, what we see in this passage is it doesn't matter If Joseph was in his father's house or not, Joseph did right. Church, let me help us out for a minute. We, as the people of God, need to establish some boundaries in our lives so that we do what's right. And one of the things I fear is there are a lot of Christians today that have no boundaries. Do you have boundaries? You could call the word a standard. Convictions. Biblical principles. Some of you are giving me a look like, what are you talking about? There are biblical principles all throughout the Word of God. Young people, when you date someday, parents, do you have, do you have biblical principles you're teaching your children for when they date someday? The Bible says that young people are to flee fornication. So what... That's a biblical principle, flee fornication. What are some guidelines or standards you have in place so that you can keep the biblical principle? My parents, for me, I wasn't allowed to touch girls. First time I touched Caroline's hand is when we got engaged. Say, that's strange. Didn't have to worry about fornication if I didn't even hold her hand, right? You might say, well, that's extreme. You don't have to be that extreme. You be wherever God wants you to be. But have some biblical principles and then set some standards to keep those things. You know, we could go through a list of, there's so many different things when it comes to, you know, 
How about the way we talk? What words are acceptable to you and what words are not? Well, what does the Bible say? That's a good place to start. Is gossip okay to you? Well, the Bible says gossip isn't okay. Would you agree with me? So what standards you have in place so that you don't hear gossip? That would save you a lot of hurt in those areas. You know, we think about pornography. There's another one. You should set no wicked thing before your eyes. That's a Bible principle. So what safeguards and standards do you have in your life so you don't violate that biblical principle? And see, some people get carried away and elevate the standard. Your standard could be different than mine. And I don't expect you to have the same standard I do. But biblical principles, you can't change those. They're in God's word. But you have to have some safeguards in place to keep you from doing things you shouldn't be doing. And it's important, and we see that in Joseph. He had those things. And parents, we got to teach that to our children. And some of you, I look like I'm looking like a deer with the headlights on tonight, but that's, it's true stuff. You know, we talk about, you know, drunkenness is sin. Am I wrong? So what are your standards to keep you from getting drunk? You should have some. guess i should keep on moving on but it seems like i need to it seems like i just need to stay here a little bit longer tonight because i don't think some of us are getting it do we maybe we'll just go through one service and just go through all the biblical principles and then you need to figure out some standards for those you you should have some standards everyone has standards to some degree but they should all be based off of biblical principles what does the bible say when the bible says this is how you should live what safeguards do you put in place to do what the Bible says? I'm just going to keep on going on because I'm going to go further. We'll go on to something else because some of you are giving me some weird looks tonight or maybe I'm just tired. Probably a little bit of A, a little bit of B, and a whole lot of C. What are you laughing about up there? We'll see a letter C that Joseph was in a bad situation, but he still lived a life that was blessed by the Lord. Verse 3 of our passage here tells us the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You know, some people might have said, well, his advancement was just luck. No, he was blessed by God. That's what it is. God blessed him. And God blessed him. You say, why did God bless him? At the end of the day, God chooses why he blesses people and why he doesn't. That's on him. But I will say, when you look at Joseph's life, I believe that God blessed him because Joseph was faithful to him. The Lord was with Joseph. What if Joseph would have said, God, I don't want you? Would the Lord still have been there? This is Old Testament. The Holy Spirit and God just didn't stay with everybody all the time. That happened after salvation. The Holy, remember David after his sin? He, he wanted the Holy Spirit restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Don't withhold the Holy Spirit from me, he says in Psalm 51. So Joseph must have wanted God there, and Joseph must have been living a life that God wanted, that God could be there with him. And we see God blessing that in his life. And when we look at these things, don't ever think it's luck. I think it's God blessing him. And when we look at those things, number one underneath that, think about this. Just because you're going through trials and problems, 
does not mean that God's not blessing you. I think sometimes, unless we're getting full blessings from God, trials and problems are a part of life. And God takes those and can use them in our lives in great ways. Don't despise those times and those moments in your life. And just because you're going through a trial, and find something that, and I love it, Justin, the other day, I was talking with your dad. And your dad, um, if you talk about two people, your parents, and all the struggles with their health that they go through, and, over, and it's like one thing after another, always something, and your mom with this cancer that basically there's almost zero chance to get better from. I asked your dad one day, and I, we had our men's thing here. Some of you men were here. I said, how in the world, I, anytime I talk to you, you're always on the top side of everything. And yet life and everything keeps getting dumped right in your lap. And he said, I started years ago writing a little book of all the blessings that God's given to me. Even in the midst of the trials. I think that explains why he keeps the happiness that he does. I think that explains it well. And just because you're going through a trial or problem doesn't mean that God isn't blessing you. Look for the blessings. Look for the good things that God's doing. Because God is, that's why, say, why on Wednesday nights do we have blessings on a Wednesday night in church? Sometimes I think some of the kids just like it because they get to talk. And I like the kids get to say, I, I think it's good that they can learn to give blessings to the Lord. And maybe we need to help direct some of those things, but we can talk about that another time. But one of the reasons why we do blessings is so that we look for the good that goes on during the day. Because sometimes we can just keep pile on all the negatives, all the negatives, all the bad things in life. But there are good things that happen every day. Guess, uh, guess what a good thing is? You're still breathing tonight. Yeah. And some of you in this room, you don't have an ounce of pain in your body at this given moment. And there's others who are in tons of pain as I speak. Be thankful for those things. Be thankful for the families that God gives you. There's so much we can be thankful for. Number one, we see this. Number two, we see Joseph made the best of a terrible situation. And we see that because as we look at this verse, we see in verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. And then we see that he keeps advancing and that Potiphar himself saw the fact that the Lord made all that was in Joseph's hand to prosper. Now, if Joseph went around like terrible, I'm not doing anything. I'm not going to serve this guy. Why should I do anything? He's not going to advance. He did his very best in the midst of a terrible situation. And what, what a lesson there is for us in the midst of that time. The secret to happiness in the hard times is how you respond to what's happening to you. Someone said this, and I believe it to be true, 90% of living a joyful life is simply responding well to your trials. That's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You may have heard of the two grasshoppers that fell into a bucket of fresh milk. One was so upset that he quickly lost all hope. He sank and he drowned. The other tried hard to get out 
he kicked and he kicked. Eventually, he churned that milk into butter and walked out. It's all about how you handle life. You can give up and sink, or you can keep on fighting and get out. The great Baptist preacher, John Bunyan, was thrown into prison for preaching without a license. He spent 12 years in jail because he would not promise the court that he wouldn't preach if he was released. He could have been discouraged by this long imprisonment, but while he was in jail, he had a stool that only had three legs on it. He removed one of the legs and carved it into a flute, and he used that flute to play gospel songs in his jail cell. And while in jail, he also wrote Pilgrim's Progress, the second greatest selling book in history. And anybody, who's, who's not read Pilgrim's Progress? I would encourage you, it's an old read, but it is a good book. I would encourage you, I think I have a copy. If anybody would like to borrow it, I'll find it and you can read it. But it's an allegory of the Christian life. And it's a great book that a man wrote while in prison. He could have given up, but instead he used his trials as a place to glorify God. And in turn, God blessed him, and people are still reading his book to this day. In the um, Ravensbrook death camp, operated by the Nazis, a young woman named Corey Tenboom was forced to endure the more appalling atrocities that you can imagine and even more that you can't she was starved beaten threatened she was forced to live with lice fleas and rats she witnessed the death of her weaker younger sister she saw thousands of jews and jewish sympathizers leave that place through the smokestacks of the crematoriums surely she couldn't understand why she along with thousands of others, was forced to endure such hardship and agony. But Corey Tenboom, inmate number 66,730, determined in her heart that while she was there, she would be the best Christian she could be. In the barracks number 28, she started a Bible study and helped many others make it through those difficult years, and eventually she won her freedom. Many might have gotten bitter by the experiences that she went through. But Corey Tenboom, however, was used by the Lord in a mighty fashion after World War II. She carried the message of Christ around the world and tens of thousands learned of the power of grace and the forgiveness of God. She took her impossible situation and used it to glorify God. Life's going to throw you lemons. So make some lemonade out of it. Number three, and lastly tonight, we see that God promoted Joseph. God promoted him. You see, it was God that did these things. God protected him. God prospered him. And God promoted him. Letter A. Potiphar saw that the hand of God was upon the life of Joseph. Man, Potiphar knew there was something very special about Joseph. 
May I just remind you tonight that this world should see that in all of us. When the Lord is in us, what does the scripture tell us? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. If you look at that verse, what does it say in, in Genesis 39.3? And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Who looked good to Potiphar? The Lord did. Potiphar, an unsaved man, a man who probably didn't have a clue who the right God was at this time, says, I can see the Lord's with him in his actions and the things that he does. And we live in this world today, and there are many people who do not know the God of heaven. But do they see the testimony in you and I that Potiphar saw in Joseph? That's what, that's what this world needs today. And then we see, letter B and lastly, Joseph lived a godly life. He glorified God, and God continued to bless him and to grow him. Reminds me of Luke 16, verse number 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. God used the sorrows of Joseph's life to shape him into the man that God used to save his family. The trials that he faced, hey church, tonight the trials that you and I face, are never easy. But God will use those to help us get better. Our trials make us useful to God. There's so much more I could say with that. But the final word of encouragement I want to give you tonight was what Mrs. Treadwell said to her son-in-law on the phone on Monday. She said, I've lost my husband. I've lost my son. I've lost my two biological daughters. But I've still got children here. And God hasn't left me. No matter what you're going through tonight, like with Joseph, God is with can get through stay faithful to him and he will see you through and when it doesn't look and you're like i don't see how god's going to work this out he always does let him work it out and i know i look in this room tonight and i know many of you there are circumstances and things in your life tonight where you're at tonight where you thought a year ago two years ago i'll never be where i'm at tonight God sees it. God knows. He's right there with you. And it's going to be okay. Stay faithful to him. Don't lose hope. Keep moving forward. And wait to see what God's going to do. And I look around, there are lots of things I don't understand. I look, how in the world is God going to work here? But he will, and he does. He will. Stay faithful to him. 
He's with you. He'll get you through just like he did with Joseph. Father, thank you for the time we've had tonight, and thank you for your word. Bless your people. Bless the rest of this evening. Pray that you help the field trip for our Christian school go well tomorrow. Help me not get sick on the boat. And uh, thanks for